Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to Outer Hebrides, this is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I'm joined this week by David Somerville. Merry Christmas from Casa del David. Merry Christmas, David. Um, we've got no Jake McGee this week. Uh, due to uh, holidays and commitments and all kinds of things. We don't have Jake McGee with us this week. Um, he's probably actually glad that he's not here, considering <laughs> the first game we're going to be talking about in the uh, Week 16 Roundup. And we start mm. on Thursday night, Dave, as I'm sure you're well aware at SoFi Stadium. Oh, the home of... The Chargers. The home of the Chargers. <laughs> in front of 73,228 fans. You know, whose house? Chargers house. Uh, is that what they say? I forget. Uh, <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Where the Los Angeles Rams were taking on uh, Jake's New Orleans Saints. Now, I predicted a tie in this game, as you know. Uh, Jake picked mm. the Saints. You picked your Rams. That's the way we roll in the WinFL show. Uh, so, Dave, I will allow you to take the time and tell us what happened on Thursday night football, Rams and Saints. Well, this game only had three quarters in it, or three quarters I'm willing to acknowledge. Uh, so, yeah, so the first three quarters were going very, very well uh, for the Rams because it started off in the first quarter. Of course, who else is going to get in for the touchdown but Puka Nakua? Two-yard pass from Matthew Stafford. And uh, surprisingly, Lucas Haversick kicked <laughs> kicked the extra points just um, before in the second quarter. An anomaly happened that I knew was a good anomaly for the Rams. Lucas Haversick kicked a 20-yard field goal. <laughs> and yeah, they, I, just, I thought at this point, if he misses this, I'm switching off my TV because it's just going to go bad. But towards the end of the half, there was a proper resurgence from the Saints despite being 10-0 down. Uh, Rashid Shahid with a 45-yard pass from Derek Carr, which pretty much one of the plays of the game. Um, unfortunately for the Saints, that was not a sign of things to come um, because Demarcus Robinson, who had a brilliant game, uh, four-yard touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford to see out the second, uh, the first half, and Rams going seventeen-seven up, and a very jubilant uh, St. Louis St. Louis Rams. Oh wow, that was a bad slip of the tongue there. The St. Louis Rams. Uh, well, so back to Los Angeles now, uh, and uh, into the third quarter. Lucas Habersick, he's gone even bigger than twenty yards. He got a twenty-two-yard field goal. To make it twenty points to seven, I'm clutching at straws for the man here. Um, then, uh, then into the third quarter, there was a few, a few kind of back, back and forth possessions. But Kyron Williams with a ten yard run, the man is just a wrecking ball and a massive emergence into the running back uh, market this year. He got a ten yard run uh, with five forty two left in the third quarter to make it twenty seven points to seven. Well, twenty six points seven. And Lucas Haversick kicked again for his third extra point, which is just incredible and unexpected. Um, so at that point, the game finished. There definitely wasn't any more scores. Uh, I'm not sure we need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about the fact that New Orleans scored 15 points in the fourth quarter and the Rams just kind of made it hard for themselves as usual. Um, but fourth quarter started very well. Lucas Haversick going even bigger than 22 yards kicked a 32-yard field goal 
after a nine-play, 56-yard drive, which I thought eh, that should have ended in a much different way. But we just couldn't get it done in the red zone, I'm afraid, a couple times. Um, you know, 20-yard field goal, 22-yard field goal. Just couldn't get it done in the end zone when we should have done. We should have won this points by 42 points, kind of thing. Um, but then Derek Carr seemed to wake up a little bit in the fourth quarter. Uh, Five-yard touchdown pass to Juwan Johnson. Obviously, Blake Gruby. Another dodgy, uh, slightly dodgy kicker. Uh, maybe not quite Lucas Haversick quality, but you know he managed to kick it in. Thirty points to fourteen. Uh, before then, Etty Perry with a thirty-five yard pass from Derek Carr, and then a brilliant two-point conversion to Chris Olave, uh, who was Chris Olave was the best player in the Saints by far the entire game. He was just brilliant, and every time he touched the ball, I made mean, thirty points to twenty-two for the Rams. Saw out the game. Uh, and to win by 30 points to 22 and just a few brief recaps before I hand it back to the main man himself Mr. Bronco um, Derek Carr actually played decent in this game but he made a few questionable decisions and it, there should have been about three picks in this game instead he only had one uh, he was 2740 for 319 yards three touchdowns one pick um and a quarterback rate of 106.1. On the other side of the ball, the real MVP, Matthew Stafford, 24-34, 328 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a quarterback rate of 120.7. And, of course, Kevin Williams up, put up another 100 points. And the NFL Rookie of the Year, definitely Offense Rookie of the Year, just give, the, give him the whole lot. Puka Nakua, nine receptions, 164 yards, one touchdown. Fun fact, though, the Rams only had uh, only threw to four different players in the entire game. Yeah, I mean, Pukanakua, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Demarcus Robinson. You don't need to throw the ball to anyone else. Matthew Stafford knows to you know he he knows what he's going to get production from his players, and and you know mm-hmm. it, uh, I, we always lament coaches when they find something that works and then they stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um. It looks like Stafford has gone, hey, this is working. I'm just going to keep throwing at these guys. I mean, as you see, four guys with targets. Uh, 11 targets for Nakua, six for Robinson, three for Higby, 12 for Cup. Yeah, Cup Cup had a couple drops, which is very odd to see. So um, he hurt his shoulder in -hmm. the first quarter. I think he was was trying to throw a block on one of the defensive linemen, which is not always the the smartest player in the world. Um, but he kind of got a big bash in the shoulder, so I'm wondering if there was any issue there. But uh, yeah, a couple drops for Cooper Cup. Apart from that, it, it was a flawless game for the first three quarters. But uh, yeah, Saint, uh, the, the Rams are out 8-7. and seven. I'm pretty sure we can clinch a playoff position with uh, a win at the Giants next week, and I am very happy. Jake, however, I mean... I, I don't I don't know where the Saints go from here. I mean, they put the ball in, in Carr's hands 40 times. Uh, well, technically 42 because he got sacked two times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alvin Kamara got nine carries for 19 yards. There was just no run game there whatsoever. Taysom Hill. Now, I, 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 Taysom Hill got a first down. Um, it like kind of par- a power back moment where he, was, he just powered through. And it, I thought, you know, why are they not doing this more? They should be using, utilizing Taysom Hill a lot more. Uh, in the entire game, he touched the ball two times. Yeah, wasn't that, targeted for, on the pass either. Yeah, no, that's just not good enough for one of your best playmakers. And uh, you mentioned the Rams. Uh, the Rams are eight and seven, currently sitting at the sixth seed. 
uh, in the NFC. The Saints fall to 7-8, and eight, so technically they're 11th in the playoff run, but they're still only mm. one game behind Tampa Bay. Uh, it's, just, it's utterly bizarre. So uh, we'll see what happens with them, but we're going to move on, and we mm. come to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers at Acrisure Stadium, in front of 66,646 fans who watched... Oh, I think we can only describe as a bit of a shocker with the Steelers absolutely hammering the Bengals 34 to 11. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, and I mean, my goodness, Jake Browning still, I mean, he had a, a decent game apart from the mistakes. He went 28 to 42, 335 yards and a touchdown, but he had three interceptions. Uh, he also fumbled once as well. T. Higgins had a monster game for them. Five catches, 140 yards, one touchdown. But again, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Joe Mixon, 11 carries, 43 yards, the leading rusher. On the other side, Mason Rudolph, who was starting, 17 to 27, 290 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no picks uh, on the ground there. Their best runner was Najee Harris. He went 19 for 78. George Pickens, four catches, 195 yards, <laughs> and two <laughs> touchdowns. Absolutely bizarre. Um, the Steelers go up to eight and seven and uh, are now tied with the Bengals at eight and seven. So because of that, they actually leapfrog the Bengals in the wild card race. Um, they're still all, uh, well, they're, they're essentially tied for the seventh seed, but the Colts have that seventh seed because of head-to-head record. Behind them is the Texans because of head-to-head record, and then we've got the Steelers and then the Bengals all on seven and eight. Uh, it's all on eight and seven, I should say. Um, so it's really hotting up in the AFC there, but I don't think anyone saw that result in Pittsburgh coming. No, no, not at all. And uh, just to point out as well, Jake Browning had a really good game but those mistakes were huge, costly mistakes. That that was the entire difference in the game. And do you know what? Mason Rudolph, basically third-string quarterback for the Steelers coming in, what a game he had as well. I was very impressed with Mason Rudolph. Yeah, you did look good indeed. Um, so we then come to some backup quarterbacks, uh, SoFi Stadium again. Um, mm-hmm. 67,678 fans as the Los Angeles Chargers welcomed in the Buffalo Bills. Um, and this game was a lot closer, I think, than people expected it to be. The oh, Bills yeah. scrape a 24-22 win over the Chargers. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, Josh Allen, 15-21, 237 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Rushing the ball, James Cook was a leading rusher, 20 carries, 70 yards. Gabriel Davis, four catches for 130 and one touchdown. So we saw a lot of uh, deep passes uh, this week in the NFL. On the other side, Easton Stick, 23 of 33, 215 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked five times. And on the mm. ground, Austin Eckler, 15 for 65. Uh, as far as receiving went, the leading receiver was Josh Palmer, who had five catches for 47. They, they, they really struggled offensively, the Chargers, in this one. Um, they fall to 5 and 10. The Bills are now 9 and 6. And with the Bills being 9 and 6, um, we look at where they are. They're currently with the sixth seed, so mm-hmm. they've got the second wild card spot. Um, they can still uh, maybe like leapfrog uh, Jack. Um, is it Jacksonville? Uh, no, sorry, Cleveland. Uh, the bigger part in Cleveland. Yeah, if, Cleveland. Uh, over um, 
record. So, but they, they still the Bills need to win out. They're currently in the second seed, but they're only one game ahead of Indianapolis, Houston, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati in the wild card race. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of work still to do there. Um, but this game was a lot closer, I think, than anyone thought. Dave, what did you think? Absolutely. Um, I, I mean. You, you, we kind of we kind of expected the Bills to run away with this, especially with you know Easton Stick in, no Justin Herbert. Um, I, I think the Bill the Bills are uh, they did in this game what they've been doing all season and just not being able to beat the teams they should be beating comfortably or um, you know in this in this case they almost scraped over the line. Uh, you know going into the game they were given a twelve and a half point head start on on the betting line, which. That's that's what you'd expect in this kind of game. But they won by two points, and there were moments in the game where you just thought, mm, the Chargers have got a really good chance here. So uh, uh, I'd go, go as far to say that um, the Bills, are they're obviously right in contention, and I, I think they are going to get a, a playoff spot. However, we were writing them off not that long ago. Um, one, one little highlight I do want to point out, though. Welcome back, Leonard Fournette. You know, coming into the game, he was uh, running back number two. It's good to see him back in. Um, he got five five carries for twenty yards. But um, I think Josh Allen, he did enough. He he did have a pick in the game, but he he did do enough. Um, and he's you know Easton Stick, he, he looks a decent backup quarterback. He did what he needed to do well. A couple mistakes, but uh, he kept the ball out the the Bills' hands uh, maybe at one or two times just. Aside from that, uh, yeah, they, they uh, well, also, can I point out, uh, uh, Leonard Fournette, he now, had a, he now has a kick return this year, so <laughs> there, that that's not something you'd expect from Leonard Fournette, but um, yeah, look, um, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, uh, basically played played the Chargers into this game because he had uh, five field goals in, in the game, including a 53-yarder, so... Uh, Good on him. Um, you know, obviously Dave's famous random stat of Cameron Dicker the kicker. Uh, but yeah, aside, look, aside from that, I think the Bills, you know, a win's a win. It could be it could be a hundred points to zero, or it could be twenty four points to twenty two. The, the 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 way the 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 mark still goes in the right column. So yeah, good for the Bills and the Chargers. Uh, I mean, I, at this point, I don't even know where they go from here. So uh, they cleared house. And yeah, I think they just need to plan for the future. Yeah, we'll see what the Chargers do going forward and head into the off season. A lot of a lot of things to ponder, I think, uh, over there at Los Angeles for the mm. Chargers. Uh, well, we're going to move on. We come to Mercedes Benz Stadium, where the Atlanta Falcons were taking on the Indianapolis Colts in front of sixty nine thousand two hundred twenty one fans, and another surprising score. As the Falcons come away with a 29-10 victory, um, they move up to 7-8. and eight. The Colts fall to 8-7. and seven. On the offensive side of the ball, Taylor Heineke, 23 of 33, 229 yards, one touchdown. Um, rushing the ball, the uh, Falcons had Bijan Robinson was the leading rusher. He went uh, 12 attempts for 72 yards, but Tyler Algier was 9 for 69, and Cordell Patterson himself was 7 for 26. Um, they really, really looked much better offensively. Much better offensively. Mm. But the defense of this Falcons team sacked Garner Minshew six 
times. He was 20 for 37, 201 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Those six aforementioned sacks. Rushing the ball, Jonathan Taylor, 18 for 43. Uh, they really couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, receiving the ball, the leading receiver was Kylan Granson. He had seven, uh, five catches of seven targets for 62 yards. Another surprising score, Dave. Uh, Young Ho Koo banged in five field goals in this one for the Falcons. And they come away with a big win, taking them to seven and eight. And really, believe it or not, shaking things up in the NFC South. Don't think we saw this coming. No, um, but I, I think they're making a massive case for themselves here. Uh, you know, even though it only moves them to seven and eight, Falcons are starting to click. Um, so I think the Bucks should be kind of fearful that the you know especially with uh, Taylor Heineke led uh, offense, which was very impressive. But uh, a couple big runs for Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. Yeah, I think they they both had a run over thirty yards uh, in this game. But I mean, Gardner Minshew just didn't look like Gardner Minshew in this game. Uh, it, it was quite disappointing to see. But then all, the Falcons on defense were just immense. I mean, Caden Ellis uh, he had ten total tackles, uh, one sack, and three tackles for loss. And and a pass deflection, and and a QB hit, obviously. So, um, yeah, brilliant game uh, from the Falcons. And I, yeah, uh, it's Cal Pitts managed to get three receptions, forty nine yards. Drake London three receptions for thirty nine yards. Um, even the Ra- the Rams former wide receiver number three Von Jefferson getting a, getting a catch there as well. So, uh, yeah, the Falcons were weirdly impressive. Um, but I, I, I think the most likely thing to happen is that they'll um, fall off just before the playoffs and miss them. That's the most Falcon way, <laughs> as Jake would say. It's just it's brilliant watching the Falcons just fall off at, at the end of every single cliff. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, well, we need to wait and see what happens. And uh, sticking mm. with the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers were taking on the Green Bay Packers at Bank of America Stadium in front of 70,875 fans. And this one went right down to the wire. The Packers actually had a 14-point lead midway through the fourth quarter, but uh, DJ Chark got two touchdown passes on Bice Young, one for 11 yards, one for 10 yards, to tie it up at 30 apiece with 19 seconds to go. Anders Carlson kicked a 32-yard game-winning field goal for the Packers, 33 to 30. Packers move up to 7 and 8. Panthers are down to 2 and 13 now. But Dave, this was an absolute shocker of a game as far as uh, Green Bay were concerned because it, it looked like they were going to run away with it and it took them to a last second, well, last minute field goal to actually win this game. Jordan Love, 17 to 28, 219 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Aaron Jones had a great game, 21 yards, uh, twenty-one rushes for 127 yards. Um, mm. Receiving the best receiver was Romeo Dobbs. Is it Dobbs or Dobbs? Dobbs. I think it's Dobbs. It's, I, I would say it's Ro- spelled Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs. But Dobbs, yeah. Uh, he yeah. had four catches for 79 yards. On the other side, Bryce Young had a nice day, 23 of 36, 312 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, rushing the ball, uh, Chubba Hubbard, 16 for 43 and a touchdown. They also got a touchdown from Emir Smith-Marset. And it, it really, a, a bit of a scare for the for the Packers here because I think as they look at what's going on, they're, tie- they're at 7 and 8. They are tied with the Saints, Packers, Falcons and Vikings, one game behind the Seahawks and the Rams uh, in the, and, and the Buccaneers, actually, in, in those playoff spots. And... They if they if they are going to be like make a, a push in the last two weeks for the the playoffs, they need to play better. 
because they've really not mm-hmm. played well. And the Panthers are a team that they really should have beaten handily and they barely scraped it out. What did you think of this? I mean, welcome to the league, Bryson Young, because he, he looked like that first-round pick, that, that that first pick of the draft. He, he finally showed in a game that he, what he can do, you know, um, getting out, scrambling out of the pocket and throwing absolute darts to his receivers. That, that was very good. Um, you know, he picked up 312 yards. Fantastic game for him. But they just couldn't get over the line. I think the Packers really look on offense for about, Half the game, they looked immense. They looked like they could beat anybody. But then, you know, the Pack- the, the Panthers came back and I think uh, the real Packers turned up, which is uh, horrible to see. Uh, um, there's a couple. Uh, the, both teams struggled to hang on to the ball in this game. I think there was three, maybe four fumbles in the entire game. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, think, um, I think the Packers, even though they put up 33 points, even though Aaron Jones ran for 127 yards, um, I, I think I still think they have work to do. You know, it's up against the Panthers. You'd expect that, but um, yeah, it's uh, it was a good game, but you know, it was a scrappy game at the same time. But we, you know, we've got uh, we've got 63 points in the game. We shouldn't be too disappointed in that. No, not at all. It looked like a, a, a exciting game from a neutral point of view. The the Panthers struggling to try and get a win there. It's it's very hard to come by, but the Packers need to improve. So we're going to move on now. We come to NRG Stadium, where the Houston Texans were welcoming the Cleveland Browns in front of seventy thousand eight hundred thirty one fans. Uh, the score in this one it was thirty six twenty two to the Browns, but it looked never in doubt. Really, it wasn't until a, a couple of I, I hate to use the term garbage time scores, mm-hmm. but it was 36 to 7 with six minutes and eight seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Um, a couple of garbage time scores uh, touching passes from Davis Mills, one to Nico Collins, one to Andrew Beck. Um, Damian Pierce had a 98 yard kickoff return in this uh, game. Now, that's only the third oh, one. A yeah. bonus, bonus random stat. Bonus random mm-hmm. stat. That's the third kickoff return for the touchdown this year. Um, Marvin Mims for the Broncos, Damian Pierce for the Texans, and can you remember the third one? Can you remember oh. who, who that was? Because when oh, it happened, it, we were all like, Bills. No, it was the Texans again. Was it Texans it, again? It was um, Andrew Beck, the tight end, <laughs> who took one 99 <laughs> yards for a score. Um, so wow. that has only been three kickoff returns, uh, touchdowns in the league this year. Uh, and the Texans have two of them. My goodness. Um, Joe Flacco continues to play <laughs> at, I'm going to say, elite level. Uh, 27 of 42, 360 yards, three touchdowns. He did have two picks in this game. Ultimately, it didn't matter. The Browns weren't able to run the ball, but again, it didn't matter. The big story, of course, is Amari Cooper. 11 receptions. 265 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's a Browns record. Um, and on the other side, Davis Mills went 30, 15 of 32 for 149 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, after Case Keenum had started the game, he went 11 of 17 for 62 <laughs> yards and two oh, no. interceptions. It was absolutely appalling from Case Keenum. Uh, Davis Mills looked three times the quarterback that Keenum is. I think they've got to stick with him. The other big story, Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, came in. He only attempted two passes in this game, and he got injured 
And it looks like he's out for the remainder of the, 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 the regular season, at least. The next two games, I believe they've uh, upgraded, was a P.J. Walker, to um, yeah. to backup quarterback for Joel Flacco now. Um, so the Browns will be hoping nothing happens to Flacco. But this defense, again, was just all over, all over the, the Texans. Um, Miles Garrett, I don't know what more you can say about Miles Garrett um, no. and the rest of this team, but they are absolutely sensational this this defense is just unbelievable how good they are. Um, I mean, Jeremiah Owusu uh, Koromoa, do I apologize mm-hmm. there? He had an interception uh, to go out to. Uh, Jerome Harmon had an interception. Um, they, as I say, they managed to get to the quarterback on numerous occasions. Um, I don't really know what you can say about this Texans team, Dave. They're 8-7. They're, they're still in the playoff hunt. But it's it's looking really difficult now. That loss by Cleveland vaults them up to ten and five. They are definitely in control of their own destiny there. Um, what do you think of this? It's a really weird game. Uh, I mean, I caught it up and I caught up with it in forty. Joe Flacco, obviously, you know, he, the three touchdowns, three hundred sixty-eight yards. It looks great. Uh, the two picks, I mean, I mean, don't look so great. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Davis Mills significant improvement on Case Keenum there. Case Keenum was just awful. I mean, he, he can't throw the ball very far whatsoever. Um, or if he does, he doesn't throw it uh, well at all. But Amari Cooper, what a game. Now, you know, 265 yards. Um, player, player of the game, Amari Cooper by far. Uh, incredible performance from Amari Cooper. Uh, so as I say, the Browns are up to 10 and 5. And we're moving on to an NFC North matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings at US Bank Stadium in front of 66,932 fans. And the Detroit Lions, Dave, prevailed. Mm. And for the first time in their history, one, well, I say in their history, that that's, it's a silly way of saying it. Recent history. Re- uh, well. Won the NFC North because the last time they won a division, it was the NFC Central. Um, mm. So, but it's the first time they've won since the, the reshuffle, the NFC North. They go to 11 4 and they have clinched the division. They're NFC North champions. They go to 11 4. The Minnesota Vikings fall to 7 and 8. It seems like every team is at 7 and 8 at the moment. Uh, the Vikings are actually sitting at 8th position on the wild card chase, one game behind the Seahawks and your Rams. Um, the uh, aforementioned Detroit Lions, as I say, have basically sewn up at least the third seed. At least the third seed because they are sitting at 11 and 4. And we'll talk about uh the other the, the other standings uh, <laughs> yeah. with regards to the NFC playoff uh, hunt for the first overall seed. Uh, with regards to the actual game, um, you look at some of the stats here. Jared Goff, 30 of 40, 257 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Where was that Jared Goff when he played the Broncos? I've got no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer Gibbs, 15 carries for 80 yards, two touchdowns. Steve Montgomery, 17 yards, 70 carries, 55 yards and one touchdown touchdown. Amon Rassin Brown had another great game. 12 catches, 106 yards and a touchdown. Nick Mullins for the Vikings. Um, his, I mean, his yards are good. 22 or 36 for 411 yards, two touchdowns, mm. but he had four picks and was sacked four times. Um, Justin Jefferson, six catches, 141 yards and a touchdown. Um, KG Osborne chucked in five for 95 and a touchdown himself. Um, but those picks by Nick Mullins just looked like he was just rainbowing the ball 
and awful. The, it, it was it was pretty bad. I don't know if you if you watched uh, this game, Dave, but the Lions are back on form. We were worried about them for a couple of weeks. Um, what mm. do you think of the Vikings, though? Oh, I mean, they were putting putting the ball into Nick Mullins' hands and telling him to go long so much. It was it was almost painful. Um, you know, so when when you're doing that all the time, you know, you're an inexperienced quarterback. Um, and it, it, I mean, that at that point, it's just not very fair. Uh, so I, I, I feel for the guy, but um, yeah, they look. Justin Jefferson had some really good catches, really good plays. Uh, but KJ Osborne had a massive, yeah, fifty-yard reception or something, uh, probably for the touchdown. But they just did not want to run the ball whatsoever. Alexander Madison uh, and Ty, Ty Chandler were the running backs, and Madison was um, meant to take over from Cook at the start of the season. In this game, he had two carries for minus one yards. That What, what, what do you expect to get that? Ty, Ty Chandler, eight carries for 17 yards. Uh, and he did get he did obviously get the one touchdown, but his longest run was six yards. So aside from that run, he was seven for 11 yards. It's just that's not okay. Um but, uh, you know, I think there, there was also a, a couple of fumbles in this game as well. Um, I think Jameer Gibbs and Jameson, Jameson Williams fumbled the ball. Uh, and Nick Mullins, of course, fumbled it a couple of times, but I think they recovered it uh, each time. But, yeah, the, 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 offense, the Detroit offense made the Vikings look a bit silly at times on defense, and the Vikings had a bad game plan, even though it, the score was close. But it didn't really look closer. It it looked like the Vikings were just the complete underdogs uh, in this game. So the Lions eleven and four. Who who would have even thought it? I mean, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure at the beginning of the season, at least one of us predicted the Lions to uh, win the division. Um, I pre- I think I did myself. I, I think yeah. I, I went for the Lions. Yeah, and you know what? It's co- it's coming true. Dan Campbell is being. Is just incredible at the, at this point. I think what he's been able to do, he's brought back hope to the city of Detroit in terms of the NFL. Um, and yeah, they're either going to be the number two seed or number three seed, uh, depending on the NFC East teams. Uh, I could just do my geography there quickly, um, but we'll see what happens there as well. We will indeed. Um, now we're going to move to MetLife Stadium where the New York Jets were taking on the Washington Commanders in front of 67,470 fans. Trevor Simeon was making the start for the New York Jets in this one. And oh my word, this one went right down to the wire. Uh, and it ended with Greg Zerline kicking a 54-yard field goal uh, with five seconds to go in the game to put the Jets up 30-28. to 28. Um I'm going to tell you a couple of stats here from this game, Dave. Um, mm. Tara Simeon was 27 of 49 for 217 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Brees Hall, uh, 20 for 95 and two touchdowns. He looked really good in this game. Um, he also had 12 receptions for 96 yards. So Brees Hall was the leading rusher and the leading receiver in this team by, by quite some distance. But the, the big story here is about the Washington quarterback situation. Sam mm. Howell, who started this game, went 6 out of 22 for 56 yards, two interceptions, no touchdowns, for a rating of 1.7. <laughs> um, they were down in this game 27-7 to to the Jets. 
And then, the, I was going to say the Redskins, the Commanders, oh. I was going to bring in Jacoby Brissett in relief of Sam Howell, who goes 10 of 13 for 100 yards and a touchdown um, for a rating of 123.9. Uh, Chris Rodriguez went uh, 10 rushes for 58 yards, two touchdowns. Antonio Gibson uh, threw in a touchdown as well. And uh, Logan Thomas uh, was the leading receiver with five catches. Uh, you're 36 yards, but he had a touchdown. When Brissett came in, this team completely turned around. It, it was like a, a different team. The Commanders are now 4-11. The Jets are 6-9. and nine. So the playoff implications wasn't huge in this game. Um, it was good to see Trevor Simeon getting a shot and getting a win. But surely the Commanders are just going to say, let's just stick with Brissett for the final two games of the season. Uh, because he played so much better than Sam Howell. And I've I've been I've been sort of kind to Sam Howell over this course of the season. There's been games where I've thought he's actually played pretty well, even though they've lost some games, but he was stinking it up in this game. Uh any thoughts whatsoever about the quarterback situation in Washington? Well, I'll I'll read you I'll read you Jacoby Brissett's uh, record this year. So uh, he um Sam Howell was taken out and replaced by Jacoby Brissett against the Rams last week as well. And he went eight of ten for 124 yards two touchdowns with a rating of 157.9. He then comes in for Sam Howell against the Jets, 10 of 13, one touchdown, 100 yards, with a rating of 123.9. All I can say is the Browns wish Jacoby Brissett was back there this season. 100% they do. I don't know why they didn't, they didn't start Brissett this week. I think maybe they were just trying to give uh, Sam Howell one last chance. I mean, he's thrown that chance in the bin. Sam Howell will make a great um, backup quarterback, which I think that market has just exploded or will explode in the offseason this year. But Jacoby Brissett is definitely the best quarterback in Washington right now. And this, I mean, how much more do you want to see? Do you need to see? From what I can see, he's a leader. Uh, he's competent, obviously my favourite word in the podcast, mm-hmm. he's very competent, and he very nearly snatched the win from the Jets, uh, which, let's be honest, the Jets haven't had much to cheer about this year, uh, but somehow, the Jets are 6-9, and nine, which is just weird to, to even think that, and, I mean, they shouldn't be 6-9. and nine. Uh, Trevor Simeon did not have a good game, uh, and he made some very questionable decisions. He likes a check down, does Trevor Simeon? Uh, I've, I've yeah. noticed that he, he's he's kind of like a a little version of Derek Carr. Um, I think would be a good version, a, a good name for him. He's just, yeah, little Carr. <laughs> it should be his name. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah. that's good. I, I I want that to stick. I really want that to stick. Um, but yeah, and also Trevor Simeon did uh, fumble the ball. Um, but he never he never technically got sacked, did Simeon? I think that's the only positive we can take from the game. Sam Howell only got one sack, which I think we know yeah, he's been battered this year. So maybe that's why it's so many incompletions. Just trying to get the ball out so quick so he doesn't get brutalized by that Jets uh, defensive line. So look, um, Trevor Simeon is is just not is not a good quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell made him look a lot better than what he is. Jacoby Brissett looked like an MVP compared to these two guys, and the commanders have to move forward with Jacoby Brissett. 
So we are going to move on, Dave, when we come to a Nissan Stadium where the Seattle Seahawks are taking on the Tennessee Titans in front of 60,181 fans. And for the second week in a row, the Seahawks get a touchdown pass in the last minute, this time with 57 seconds to go as uh, Colby Paxton took a five-yard pass from Geno Smith to make the final score 20-17 to to the Seahawks. Uh, if we look at some of the scores in this, uh, some of the, the box scores in this game, Juno Smith was 25 of 36, 227 yards and two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker the third, 16 carries, 54 yards. Uh, receiving wise, Tyler Lockett had 8 for 81. He was a leading receiver in the game. Uh, on the other side, Ryan Tannehill was back in for the Titans and he did precisely what you expect Ryan Tannehill to do, going 18 of 26 for 152 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, sacked six times. Derrick Henry went one of one for 12 yards and a touchdown. Yes. Uh, he also yeah, yeah. carried the ball 19 times for 88 yards and a touchdown. Um, the leading receiver was, I'm going to get it wrong, Chigoziem Okonkwo. Yeah, there we go. Six receptions, 63 yards and one touchdown. Um, the Seahawks at eight and seven. The Titans fall to five and ten. Um, but the Seattle Seahawks are at the seventh seed with that win, eight and seven. That's two weeks in a row. They have won in the dying seconds of games. They're living by the skin of their teeth, Dave, but they are still alive. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to call it now. Do the Seahawks make the playoffs? They're sitting at sevens, two games to go. Uh, um, I, I mean, I don't want them to, <laughs> to make the playoffs. I th- I'd like to really emphasize that right now. Uh, they come up against the Steelers and the Cardinals in the final two weeks. Uh, I I think they win at least one of those games. Well, I think it'll be, it'll be nine and eight or ten and seven. Um, if they're ten and seven, they'll leapfrog the Rams. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I really need the Steelers to get something from the game next week. But uh, do they make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they do. Uh, I, I, I genuinely think they do. I think the Rams have the head-to-head records against them. So um, I, I think the Rams will be six and Seahawks will be seven. So that, that that's my early prediction. And it's not even a stupid one. It's just an educated one from Dave. Yeah, that's just like he's looking at the numbers and seeing it like it is. Um, we're going to move on. We come to Raymond James Stadium, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars in front of 62,547 fans. And Dave, what has happened to Patrick's Jaguars? Um, the mm. Buccaneers come away with a 30-12 to 12 win. They go up to 8-7. and seven. The Jaguars fall to 8-7. and seven. And this one was just uh, Trevor Lawrence. 7 of 29, 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks, sacked three times. C.J. Bethart came in, went 11 of 15 for 94 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Rushing the ball, the leading rusher was Trevor Lawrence, four for 29 yards. It's, mm. That's just not good enough. Uh, Etienne went six carries for 12 yards. Uh, Evan Ingram was the leading receiver, 10 catches for 95. Although Calvin Ridley did actually have two uh, touchdowns, six catches for 90 yards. He had two touchdowns in this one. On the other side, Baker Mayfield continues to impress. 26 of 35, 283 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, rushing the ball, Rashad White went 20 for 39. And receiving, the top receiver was actually tied. Rashad White at 6 for 38. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, Mike Evans was leading receiver with yeah, seven, 7 for 86 uh, and two touchdowns. 
Mayfield and Evans have got it going on. Mayfield is playing safe football. The Buccaneers look like a decent team. The Jaguars, on the other hand, they are falling apart. Dave, what is going on in Jacksonville and can they save their season? There's worries about whether Trevor Lawrence got a concussion against the Ravens and that this could be an ongoing effect of it, which I think, uh, I mean, they've got a decent backup in C.J. Beathard. But, uh, you know, put, put your health first. Uh, get that checked out properly. Um, if there's any kind of injury at all, then they need to seriously have a look at that. There's some very questionable play calls right now in Jacksonville. Um I mean, they threw the ball 44 times. They obviously put the ball in the quarterback's uh, hands 48 times because there was uh, four sacks in the game, uh, three to Trevor Lawrence. And they rushed the ball, what, maybe eight times? Uh, and then, of course, did Lawrence as well, and Bether got uh, five between them. What, where's the run game? Where is it? Because it's not there. The Bucks, on the other hand, rushed, uh, well, including five guys for Baker for five yards. But... Um, a total of 36 times and Baker threw 35 times. So they mixed up perfectly in this game. They were 30 to zero up in the third quarter. And uh, from what I saw, the Jaguars were lucky to even get 12 points. It was not the best uh, display whatsoever. And, you know, it took to what, uh, the 14 out of 15 minutes in the third quarter for the Jaguars to even get in the score sheet with uh, Calvin Ridley's pass. Um, So yeah, Calvin Ridley, uh, man, he managed to get um, two touchdowns, uh, one from each quarterback, but Trevor Lawrence doesn't look okay, and I think he needs to be taken out of the game uh, next week's game anyway, um, which is against the Panthers. So I, I really think that they could do, it would do him the world of good just to sit back for one week, have a look at the situation, get evaluated by medical professionals, and just see what's going on, because it, I, I actually think they're just relying on him completely now. They, they're, um, they're doing too much with Trevor Lawrence. They're relying on him to w- win games by himself. They need a run game. They need they need to really get that run game going because you can't put all that on your quarterback. I think look, look at the situation in Kansas City, which we'll come up to later, where you've got a really good quarterback, but the pieces around him are not helping him at all so yeah the Jaguars I, I think they're, they're at the moment they're first in their division they're, I don't think they're going to finish there I'm afraid to say I I, I, I think it's going to be that they're in a lot of trouble they're on a four game losing streak I mean we were tipping them potentially to be number one in the AFC uh, because they, they were what eight and three uh, after their win over the Texans and then it's just been it's it's not even just slight a few, well there was a couple close losses to Bengals and Browns but they fell off a cliff against the Ravens and in the Bucks they just were non-existent. So, um, yeah, Daggers in, tr- in a lot of trouble. Sorry, not sorry, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, if it hadn't been for the Colts and Texans both losing, the Jaguars would have dropped down to ninth. Yep. They're currently sitting with the fourth seed. I'm oh, sorry, eighth. They would have dropped down to eighth, I beg your pardon. Um, so they, they, need, they need to get it together. They've got two weeks to go, two games. They just need to survive those two games and they can still win this division. Um, mm-hmm. With the Texans not having C.J. Stroud there, it's very difficult for them. The Colts just need to just tighten it up slightly, and they could be 
uh, easily be uh, AFC South champions in that one. So the Jaguars just need to hold it together for a couple of weeks. But we are going to move on and we come to the Arizona Cardinals and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in front of 59,978 fans who watched the Bears in this one jump out to a 21-7 to lead uh, before halftime. Um, and then nothing really happened. The teams exchanged field goals in the uh, second half. Matt Pitt had a 55-yard field goal. Kata Santos replied with a 49-yard field goal because before Greg Dorch took a 38 pass uh, from Kyler Murray to make a 24-16, they failed on the two-point conversion. And then Kaido Santos drilled a 29-yarder with a minute and two to go to make its final score, 27-16 to Chicago. Um, Kyler Murray, 24-38, 230 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He looked pretty good, rating of 97.5. He also rushed five times for 32. James Conner carried uh, 12 times for 45 yards. Uh, a lot of players receiving the ball in this one. The leading receiver was uh, Emma. Uh, Demarcado or Demarcado, I think it's Demarcado. Uh, seven catches mm-hmm. for forty yards. On the other side, Justin Fields uh, did Justin Fields things. Fifteen of twenty-seven for one hundred and seventy yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, he also rushed nine times for ninety-seven yards. But Khalil Herbert had a nice day with twenty carries for one hundred and twelve yards. There, they had a touchdown each running the ball. And Cole Komet, the tight end, had a wonderful day receiving four for one hundred and seven, and he looked absolutely fantastic in this game. Uh, it was a real good re-signing for them to get Cole Komet in the offseason. Uh, the Bears at 6-9, and nine, they're not out of the playoffs at 6-9, and nine, but they need a lot of help if they want to try and grab that um, grab that 7 seed there. It is possible, but highly unlikely the Bears will be able to make the playoffs. Uh, but very quickly, Dave, just before we move on, Kyler Murray has looked consistent um, mm-hmm. the way Kyler, we sort of expected Kyler Murray to play, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And he sort of did it again. He, he didn't make any horrendous mistakes. He did fumble once, but, you know, they, they got the ball back. Um, and he threw two touchdowns. He had 97.5 passer rating. Um, do you think if he'd been healthy for the whole season, this Cardinals team would have had a, a much better uh, record than the 3-12 the and 12 that they actually are? A hundred percent. I I think um I, I you know we were we were talking uh, during the season. Do they move on from Kyler? I, I think that would be a silly thing to do, considering what he's been able to do when he's come back in. Um, I I just I don't think the pieces around him are working very well at all. Uh, I mean they 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 tried to get the run game going, so you know kudos to that because um. James Conner at 12 carries, 45 yards, not, not that great. Um, Rondell Moore, one for six yards. You, you, you know, some, some of the Rondell Moore's a wide receiver. I mean, they only had James Conner really um, you, you know, to 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 run the ball. But um, yeah, they they don't. The, their offensive line isn't great. Um, I, I think I think uh, Kyler needs a bit of help, but some more protection when he's only in the pocket. But I think he, he needs a, uh, one or two receivers during the offseason uh, for targets. I don't think the defense is that bad. Obviously, they've got Buddha Baker. He's he's one, he's a quality quality defender. Um, but apart from that, they don't have a whole lot of good pieces. Uh, could they have, could they have been better this season? Yeah, I think they could have easily racked up six seven wins um, at this stage. The Bears, however, going forward, I would say that I mean they're up against the Falcons and the Packers. Uh, which are winnable games for Chicago. There's no doubt about it. Um, but 
like you said, they need a lot of help. So the best they can get is eight and nine. Uh, and of course, it looks like they're going to have the first pick in the draft. So they've got a bright future. So they, if they, if they can sneak into that playoff, that that would be just incredible. You, you, you just, I, I, none of us thought the Bears were going to get into the playoffs. I thought we were all, we all thought they were going to be an improvement. Maybe not quite this much, but um, yeah, I think uh, they're not. They're obviously not out of it. But Cardinals need to keep Kyler Murray. They certainly do. Um, now, you, you mentioned the Bears have the first pick in the draft. We still don't know who they're going to take, if they're going to move on from Justin Fields because Caleb Williams is sitting there and people is see still being projected as number one overall mm-hmm. pick. Um, if they don't go him, you've got to think that they like Marvin Harrison Jr. as a wide receiver 100%. for Justin Fields. We are going to move on uh, to Hard Rock Stadium in front of 66,410 fans where the 10-4 Cowboys took on the 10-4 and Miami Dolphins in the game of the teams that can't beat good teams. <laughs> and one of them... Beat a good team. The Miami Dolphins won 22 to 20 over the Dallas Cowboys. And the haters are going to say, oh, but if it had been a Jedi world, the Cowboys would have won. It would still be asking the same questions. Well, I hope the Dolphins shut some people up. Uh, 22 to 20 in this one. Um, the actual the uh, score at halftime in this one was 13 to 7 to Miami. Uh, then Jason Sanders banged in a field goal to make it 16 to 7. For Brandon Aubrey uh, hit a field goal. Jason Sanders replied. Brandon Aubrey replied. And then Brandon Cooks got an eight yard pass from Dak Prescott to make it 2019 to Dallas um, with 3.33 to go in the game. And then Tua drove Miami down the field and Jason Sanders nailed a 29-yard field goal as time expired. So the Dolphins win this one 22-20. Some of the stats from this game, Prescott was 20 of 32, 253 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He had a rating 107.9, but they could not run the ball particularly well. Tony Pollard was a leading rusher, 12 carries for 38 yards. C.D. Lamb had another big game receiving, 6 for 118 and a touchdown. On the other side, Tua Tonga uh, oh my god Tua we'll just go with that <laughs> uh, let's go for Tua just go for Tua I need to stop saying I keep see the thing is it's Tagovailoa but you keep hearing mm. them say Tungavailoa and then yeah. I start saying it and I'm going that's, it's not Tunga it's no internet Tago oh, correct Tagovailoa but Everyone's saying Tonga, so I keep saying it. Uh, he went 24 to 37, 293 yards, one touchdown, um, no picks. Uh, rushing the ball, Raheem Mostert went 11 for 46. And receiving the ball, Tidy Kell, no surprise there. He went 9 for 99 yards in this one. Raheem Mostert caught the only touchdown pass. It was a four yard catch from Tua. Um, and the Dolphins win. So, Dave, do. the Dolphins at 11 and 4. Um, mm-hmm. They're in the lead for the. Uh, AFC East have actually got two games up on the Buffalo Bills. A big win for them. The Cowboys fall to 10 and 5. They're now one game behind the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who we'll talk about later on. Um, so, this sort of did it answer the questions about people saying the Dolphins haven't beaten any good teams and the Cowboys can't win away from Jerry World. Well, the Cowboys still didn't win away from Jerry World, but they're not a bad team. They are a good team. They had a 10 and 4 record. Does this silence the doubters about these Miami Dolphins and they can beat good teams? Not quite. Uh, I, I, I think because it, purely because of the Cowboys away record. I mean, they're three and five this year now. Uh, that That's not good enough. Uh, and they're, it, uh, right now, they're not going to get home field advantage all the way to the Super Bowl, which is going to be really troubling for them. And 
you know, so, some of their big players did turn up in this game. Uh, obviously, Micah Parsons was a threat for the entire game. There was a few controversies around him. Um, CD Lamb turned up six receptions for 118 yards, including a, f- a beautiful 49 yards uh, completion. Uh, obviously, he got that touchdown as well. Tony Pollard did not really turn up. Um, I mean, they they tried to get the run game going. They tried to do, uh, you know, set that up for the kind of uh, the pass game as well. But I mean, Dak played well, just not well enough. I'm afraid because um, I think I do. You know what I think? Who player of the game was? Vic Fangio. I think Vic Fangio was, was the main man in this game because uh, the Cowboys gave uh, the Cowboys gained about 150 yards on two drives, um, and that really set the Dolphins back. But Vic Fangio, what what does what what would every coach and every coordinator do in that kind of situation? The good ones, anyway, they learn from it, and I think that's what they managed to do because the defense suddenly turned up. They made a few adjustments. Um, and Bradley Chubb started showing up a lot more. He got one and a half sacks, as did Andrew Van Ginkle. I think he was coming on the blitz a lot more as well, so that really worked out well for them. Couple, well, I say a couple. Uh, two, two little pointers. Uh, Sanders, he came, he came in with I think it was twenty-one field goal attempts on the year, because just because of how clinical the Miami offense has been uh, in this game. You obviously you said that he got uh, the late field goal. Um, but in the game, he also had a good few field goals. He had five in total. Um, he had a career-long 57-yarder in the first quarter, uh, then adding kicks of 52, 54, and 35 yards. That's what you want from a kicker. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what a competent kicker is like, but that looks like one to me. Um, and also, you know, Terry Kill, nine receptions, 99 yards. That That's all he need, needed to do. Uh, and I, th- I think he's still, he's still kind of having you know, hampering uh, issues with uh, cramps and things like that. But the way the man moves, can you even blame him? You know, it, it's going to be an ongoing problem. Easy to drink a couple gallons of water before each game. Uh, if, I, if I tried to that. run the way Tidy Kill runs, my hips would explode. Yeah. Yeah. I'd kind of discombobulate. So that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'd just fall <laughs> apart. But uh, yeah, I also want to give um, a little shout out. I hope we we'll wish the best for Robbie Chosen. Uh, because he went down with a bad concussion, and I, I saw—I'm pretty sure I saw his head bounce at some point. So uh, that's—it was not nice to see that at all. But um, marching on, though, yeah. Miami Dolphins look like con- major contenders. Uh, they are major contenders now. Something—a couple of calls from the refs in this game highlighted mm. what happened through the entire. It seemed all week, and it's been going all year. Roughing the passer. Oh yeah. my word! Some of these calls are just. The defenders have got no chance. Absolutely yep. none whatsoever. There was one where I think it was Dak got taken down and the, the defender literally throws his arms out as he hits him and then gets called for roughing the pass. It wasn't a high hit, but they're seeing body weight in it. You're like, he's not grabbing him to the ground. He's not mm-hmm. throwing himself on him. He's, you know, you're trying to do everything you can. You're still getting flagged for 15 yards. This also happened against two as well. Uh, Micah Parsons got done for a for a rough in the pass. It was one step and hit, and he's going. You know, w- what do I have to do? Um, it was just bizarre, and this seemed to happen in almost every single game this week, and it's been going on all year, where players can't tackle now. You're, you're yep. not allowed to tackle. You will get flagged, and mm-hmm. you you just wonder. 
what is happening? Um, and I, I did see, a, I was watching a video on YouTube about some of the fines that players have had um, post-games by the league and see the amount of running backs getting fined for lowering their helmets. Um, to What they're saying is initiating contact. Well, the guy's going to get hit by a safety. He's going to crouch down. What are they supposed to do? It's been utterly, utterly bizarre. In this game, on both sides, some of the calls were just absolutely horrendous. Uh, speaking of absolutely horrendous, we're going to move on to Mile High Stadium. <laughs> I knew that's where I was going. <laughs> where the New England Patriots were visiting the Denver Broncos in front of 76,201 fans. And do you remember what I said last week, Dave? I said, you know I'm always going to pick my Broncos to win. You, you know that, because I always do, regardless of who they're playing. Um. But I did say, you know, I'm, I'm worried that the Patriots will win this game because they're playing the Broncos. And no matter how badly the Patriots are doing, the 3-11 and 11 Patriots, that you know, they're, they're going to beat the Broncos because it's the Broncos. They're going to have their best game. And the Patriots won 26-23. And the Patriots were absolutely killing the Broncos. They were up 23-7 to in the midway through the fourth quarter. And the mistakes by the Broncos, were just unbelievable. They actually started off because New England uh, had a fumble and Javante Williams uh, took it in from uh, three yards out for a score. Um, but then Marvin Mims fumbled a punt and uh, Russell Wilson, um, there was actually, Cody Davis had a one-yard fumble return um, from the uh, fumble by Marvin Mims. It, mm-hmm. it was just utterly bizarre. Bailey Zappi looked fantastic. He went 25 of 33 for 256 yards, two touchdowns, for a rating of 117.7. Uh, rushing the ball, they, they couldn't really do much. Ezekiel Elliott went 12 for 27, uh, and that was it. You know, his longest was six yards. Uh, in fact, New England's longest rush was nine uh, by Tyquan Thornton. Uh, receiving the ball, their top receiver was Demario Douglas. He had five for 74 yards, uh, but Ezekiel Elliott caught a touchdown, as did Mike Siki. On the other side, Russell Wilson, 25 of 37, 238 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked five times. Uh, rushing the ball, the leading rusher was Jaleel McLaughlin. He went six for 37. Javante Williams had 11 for 24 and a touchdown. Uh, Marvin Mims, three catches, 63 yards uh, for the most yardage for the team. The Broncos lost Cortland Sutton in the first quarter, early in the first quarter. And oh my word, did they miss him? There were some pretty poor drops in this one. But. There was a call in this game where Javante Williams fumbled the ball. Uh, it was First of all, the play call was horrendously bad. Uh, on this screen pass, four yards behind the line of scrimmage with two players, Javante Williams spins out a one tackle, gets hit, ball comes out. Um, and I think it was Ben Powers, the, the guard for the Broncos, jumps on the ball. No bother at all. Um... And then the refs call New England ball. I'm going, <laughs> how's that? Well, the New England player jumps up with the ball and I'm going, well, yeah, but Ben Bowers had the ball and he was down and then the ball's wrestled away from him and they reviewed it and gave it to New England. <laughs> How can you possibly give that to the Patriots? Like, like he clearly had the ball in possession and was down by contact and then they gave the ball to the Patriots and I was st- Stunned. The commentators were stunned. The the um, the rules analyst, I can't remember if it was Gene Steratore, was stunned. Yeah. 
Everyone was stunned and yet to give the ball to New England. That was actually probably the turning point in the game. But no excuses. The Broncos were completely outplayed by the Patriots. Uh, just too many mistakes. The Patriots didn't make many mistakes. They had that one fumble early on and that was it. And I I don't know what to say about this. Dave, did you watch this game? It was, I did. It was painful from a Broncos point of view. What did you think? It, it, it was, but also I'd, I'd like to point out that the way the Patriots got uh, pressure on Russell Wilson was quite impressive. I mean, uh, Christian Barmore with three sacks in the game and he was just, he was getting through that offensive line like it wasn't even there. Uh, so that was quite painful to watch. Uh, Billy Zappi had a very good game. Neither team could run the ball. They were struggling. I think um, Joe McLaughlin had one good run that I, I remember. Patriots didn't have much at all to offer in the run game. Um, receiving, though, Bailey Zappi, what a game. What, what a game he had. He, he a good few uh, deep balls, or um, even Jalen Rager getting in on the action. Uh, Devontae Parker. You know, there were some plays where... Um, I nearly said Champ Bailey there for a second, uh, where Pat Sertan was um, was just kind of, you know, they, they were targeting Pat Sertan, which is not something you see every day. Um, not Obviously not necessarily targeting him, but he was going in that direction a lot. Um, There's a couple plays where Pat Sertan he had really good coverage, but the ball was just placed perfectly from Bailey Zappi. So I was really impressed with that. Um Marvin Mims, obviously, he had that one horrific play, but um, he also nearly got a punt return for a touchdown, if I remember rightly, as well. For, I think it was, he was only about 10 yards short, something like that. Um, so that was really good. But, you know, it those are the differences. Those, those kind of few couple plays. Um, I, I, I don't know what's going on in Denver, to be honest. I, you know, you've got a very well thought of head coach in Sean Payton. You've got... Um, Russell Wilson, who's going to, just going to be a future Hall of Famer. Um, where do they go from here? Well, they've benched Russell Wilson. They have benched Russell Wilson. Um, now, it's been announced that Russell Wilson is out for two weeks. Uh, well, not, not out for two weeks. That's wrong. He has been benched for yeah. the remainder of the season, two games to go. Um, and it looks as though Russell Wilson might not be in Denver next year. Now, mm. I do understand that the benching, the idea, somebody did tweet out that the reasons for the benching is because um, there is a clause in Russell Wilson's contract um, that goes through to 2025. Um, if he were to get injured uh, in either of these next two games, and I, I don't have it in front of me, I, I should have should have uh, looked this up before I spoke about it, uh, that it would cost the Broncos an additional $37 million in, in, yeah. in cap space, if, if that's right. I can't remember the exact details about it. But for whatever reason, Jared Stidham is starting the next two games for the Denver Broncos. Uh, that sounds to me like they've just thrown in the towel uh, on the season. They, they have a very, very slim chance of making the playoffs. Everything would need to go that way. They've got like a 5% chance, if that, to make the playoffs. Um, but every other result would need to go that way. And I'm just, it's just bizarre because I, I understand that you don't want your guy to get injured, but it sounds like they don't want him to get injured in case they have to pay him money. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, we don't want him to get injured because he's our quarterback. And, and I, I'm not too, 
Not sure how I feel about that. Um, but Stidham is going to be the quarterback for the next two games. Russell Wilson is out. It, it basically looks like that might well have been Wilson's last game for the Broncos. Um, wait and see what they do next year, whether they decide to keep him or not. Because if they don't, I think we mentioned this last week, if the Broncos don't move on from Russell Wilson, uh, then he's guaranteed to 2025. Yeah. And exactly. um, then they will not be able, essentially, to move on from 2024 because 2025 is already paid for. So they mm-hmm. either move off on from him this off season, or they see out his contract. And it's oh, well, as they see out his contract, they pay him for his entire contract. Um, I did see someone on Twitter, uh, and someone had said, uh, "It's does this make the Russell Wilson trade the worst of all time?" No, it no, no absolutely. It it's not far. I not. don't. I don't think. I don't think it's 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 up there and definitely top ten, probably top five. Um, um, maybe top 10 maybe top 10 considering whoa. what they expected to get and what they've got um, but there's no comparison between this and the Herschel Walker trade there's no comparison the, between oh, this oh, yes. and yeah. the Saints giving up an entire draft for Ricky Williams there, there's no comparison yeah. between this and Deshaun Watson trade in my opinion Well, Russell's uh, done I'll, more I'll, for this team than Deshaun Watson's done for his Browns and he cost nearly twice as much well, I, I want to get your opinion on one player uh, on the Broncos, not not Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is it Ioma? I can't say his name. Uh, Ioma Uwazuriki? Ioma Uwazuriki. Uwazuriki. Yeah. Uwazuriki. Yeah. yeah we'll, go, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, um, he's been suspended. No, he's been suspended. Okay. The reason I ask about this man is because that was the only other player the Broncos got in the trade for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the Broncos got Wilson and him. And the yep. Seahawks got Drew Locke, yep. Noah Fant, yep. Shelby Harris, Charles yep. Cross in the first round, yep. uh, Boy Maffey in the second round, Tyreek Smith in the fifth round, Devin Witherspoon with the fifth overall pick this year, and Derek Hall in the second round. Um, so I think the Seahawks absolutely fleeced oh, the Broncos, yeah, no doubt listen, about it. The Seahawks won this trade by a mile. An oh, absolute mile. And when they made this trade, I'd said back then that um, I liked the idea of Russell Wilson because I I liked his um, his potential and his ability to be a good quarterback because we'd seen it for a decade. But I did mm-hmm. see the Broncos gave up far too much for him. No, um, absolutely. The other thing that really annoyed me, um, I, never mind the Shelby Harris thing, because that's still that's still a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Um, giving up Noah Fant as part of that trade, and then this yeah. season uh, getting rid of Albert O, mm-hmm. meant the Broncos, and we said this at the time, the Broncos only had one pass-catching tight end in Greg Dulcich. And if anything happened to him, the Broncos were going to be in trouble. And he gets injured. And the Broncos were in trouble. Now, uh, Krull, the tight end Krull, has looked pretty good for the Broncos. Pretty good. Um, he uh, in, in this game, for example, Lucas Krull, he had uh, four catches for 28 yards and a touchdown. But that's that's not enough. Right. It's, it's not enough production from what should be your number one pass-catching tight end. Four catches for 28 yards. If uh, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews are putting up those types of numbers each week, then there is no way you'd be considering them a top-tier tight end. 
and mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's it. That's the way it goes. But they got rid of Noah Fant, and I thought, well, that's okay. We still got Albert O. He's a great pass catching tight end. You then get rid of him, and you're left with Greg Dulcich, who I, I really like. But you said, well, he's the only guy you've got now. He gets injured, you've got nothing. And it really shows, and it really showed how much the Broncos miss Cortland Sutton in this game. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. He came out of the game, didn't he? Uh, yeah, like early on. Early yeah, on. Yeah, really early. And, and you just look at this and go, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. There's a couple of drop passes in this game. And I'm not saying that Cortland Sutton doesn't drop passes. And I'm not saying that if he'd been playing the Broncos and won this game. Uh, but the reality is they really missed him. You could tell that the, the offense looked just stagnant without um, without Sutton out there. And I don't know. There you go. Sutton for MVP. Anyway, right. We should move on. <laughs> we should move on. We know on. that's not happening. Ah, uh, yeah, well, that's definitely not happening. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in front of 73,480 fans. And, oh, my word, Christian Cooksey's a happy man. This is Las Vegas Raiders beat the Chiefs 20-14. to 14. They were actually leading 20-7 to 7 going into the fourth quarter before Justin Watson caught a seven-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes uh, with 2.42 to go in the game. That was it. Um... In this game, you look at some of the the box scores. Listen to these passing numbers by the Raiders. Mm. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Aidan O'Connell, 9 out of 21 for 62 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked twice. Um, Zamir White, 22 carries, 145 yards. Uh, Amir Abdullah, 2 carries, 11 yards in this game. And Trey Tucker, 1 for 5. Over on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes, 27-44 for 235 yards and a touchdown. Tommy Townsend, 1 for 1, 11 yards. Um, So, I mean, he got a rating of 112.5 in that one. (laughs) Rushing the ball, uh, Mahomes was the leading rusher, 10 carries for 53 yards. I say Pacheco, 11 for 26 and a touchdown. Uh, And receiving, it was a Rasheed Rice, 6 for 57 they didn't really get anything going offensively, Kansas City, and this Raiders team, they come away with a win. The Raiders are up to 7 and 8, tied with a whole bunch of other teams for the playoff race at 7th spot. Kansas City Chiefs are fall to 9 and 6. Dave, what did you think of this one? Uh, interesting game, great score for the, great result for the Raiders. It is, um, but I think the, shall we say the levelling out of the Taylor Swift effect uh, is where is what we're currently witnessing because obviously you know uh, she she had been to a good few games and they hadn't lost a game and now it's coming full circle that they can't win a game when Taylor Swift is there. So um, I mean the Chiefs they couldn't get when when all year we've spoken about the Chiefs receivers being unable to catch a ball. Um, I think Kelsey had a drop in this game. Uh, Rasheed Rice had one or two drops in this game. Um, they, they, I mean, they could not run the ball whatsoever. Uh, but between Pacheco and Edward Solaire, uh, the 15 carries between them for 32 yards, barely two yards per run. Uh, and it just just to point out how bad that uh, their run game was, Pacheco also had a 12 yard run as well. So if you take out that one, that brings it 14 uh, 14 carries, and it brings it down to just 20 yards. No, yeah. 20 yards, that's right, yeah, quick maths. Um, and top rusher was Patrick Mahomes, who ran it for 10 times he had to run it for 53 yards. Um, 
not good enough whatsoever. What's going on in uh, Raiders at quarterback? I mean, Aiden O'Connell was awful. Um, I, I don't think there's any way. Uh, he, he just could not complete a pass uh, if his life depended on it at times. Uh, who needs Josh Jacobs when you got Zamir White just battling through it and a couple big runs in there. A 145-yard day. Uh, where do we go from here for the Chiefs? I mean... They obviously now well they they can't they can't get a home field advantage all the way for the first time in a good few years. Uh, at this point, they're lucky to even be leading the division because the rest of the teams have not been very good. Uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot I I can say that's a positive here for Kansas City. Um, oh, oh well, Tommy Townsend, the punter, managed to get a good completion as well, so good for him. There's an eleven yard completion on the fake. Uh Yep, that's it. There's no other positives whatsoever to take from this game. Uh, Justin Watson looks like looks. Uh, I, I think he's just at this point going to um, beat out Travis Kelsey for tight end number one spot quite <laughs> clearly. Um, sorry, that's Noah Gray. I meant uh, obviously he. Look, it's it's bad. It's bad in Kansas City, um, and you know, Mahomes screaming at uh, people, screaming at himself that he, uh, the plays aren't coming together, and I mean. They're, they're, the other things as well to take away from this game is that uh, another person uh, has something to tell the grandkids about. Uh, Jack Jones had a pick six from uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I, I, you know, it's just it's lovely to see for him. Also, Bill Nichols with the eight-yard touchdown returned after a fumble recovery. Um, for some reason, they keep going. They kept going for the two-point conversions as well. Um, when they were they went nine seven after the the fumble recovery and went for the two point conversion and failed, uh, forcing them to go for it after the Jack Jones touchdown pick six as well, which they did get. Um, but yeah, that, this was a weird game. It was not quality by any stretch of the imagination, and I think a lot of teams are going to be wanting to play Kansas City in the playoffs. I think a lot of teams will be th- fancying their chances there. Obviously. Uh, you know, at uh, when it's at Kansas City, you don't really want to be doing that because that crowd is something different. It's one of the loudest in the entire league. But the Chiefs are not a good team right now. So this is an interesting time for Kansas City. I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, all to play for in the AFC there. And folk, I'll be looking at Kansas City Chiefs thinking, we can take these guys. Um, we're mm. going to move on to the NFC East, uh, where the Eagles were taking on the New York Giants at Lincoln Financial Field in front of 69,879 fans. And the Eagles come away with a 33-25 to victory over the Giants. Uh, looking at some of the stats here, Tommy DeVito was 9 of 16 for 55 yards. Uh, Tyrod Taylor came in. He was 7 for 16 for 133 and a touchdown, but he did have an interception as well. Sequin Barkley, 23 carries, 80 yards and a touchdown. And the leading receivers, Darius Slayton, 3 catches for 90 yards for the Giants. Over on the other side, Jalen Hurts, 24 of 38, 301 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 pick. Uh, rushing the ball, DeAndre Swift, 20 for 92. And the leading receiver was AJ Brown, no surprises there, 6 uh, catches for 80 yards Devontae Smith had 4 for 79 and a touchdown as the Eagles come away with this win here they move up to 11 and 4 um, they are right back in it right back in it these mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles um, and we're going to be talking about the uh, 
the seeds very shortly when we cover our final game in this one. But the Philadelphia Eagles, who seem to be struggling for a while, and you can say, oh, you know, it was only the New York Giants. You can say that if you want. But the reality is, the Eagles win this game. They are 11-4, and that ties them up with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no, mm. sorry. That moves them one game no, ahead. No, Beg not one pardon. game ahead. Beg your pardon. Uh, one game ahead of the Dallas Cowboys ties them up with the Detroit Lions at 11-4. and four. Um, The Eagles have been looked rough, Dave, recently. Um, do you think oh, yeah. they needed this game just to sort of get them back in winning ways and uh, looking for that final push towards the playoffs? Well, they had they were on a three-game losing streak. Uh, and I did say, I think it was last week, they were probably going to win out Um for, for starting with this week and they managed to do that against the Giants they do play them again uh, in the last week before the playoffs um, I, I, they didn't look fantastic uh, I, th- I think obviously against the Giants the Giants offense was awful um, but I think that could be the last time we see Danny DeVito as a starting quarterback because he's now been benched and Tyro Taylor will start for the rest of the season uh, assuming he doesn't get injured because that man has had no luck whatsoever with injuries in his career uh, I think look back at his time uh, with the Chargers is a perfect example uh, when he uh, had his lung punctured um, by a, a dodgy uh, injection. So that was um, not great. But Tyrod Taylor, uh, yeah, he didn't look fantastic either, but he looked uh, significantly better than Tommy DeVito, I'm afraid to say. You know, t- t- Tommy Dime, not really uh, looking the piece there. But uh, Jalen Hurts... What, what, actually, before I even continue, what would you say is Jalen Hurts' best quality? His best quality? Yeah, yeah. What, what would you say makes him uh, a really good player? Well, what do you think, you know, his, his ability, his, probably his most standout ability? Well, his most standout ability is the fact that he's a big, strong running quarterback and he can, mm-hmm. you know, he can bully people out of the way in short yardage situations. But I like Jalen Hurts. I like his deep ball. I think he's got a yeah. good deep ball in him. Um, but I, I think his the main thing is when they run that brotherly shove, as they call it, when oh, you've got yeah. a big, huge quarterback like that, it makes a big difference. Well, yeah, that that's definitely true. And we might hear more about that later. Uh, but see, when, they, when they're in open play and you kind of, you know, it's kind of second and eight or, you know, maybe a long second or third down, the ability to extend the play, scramble out, out the pocket, is what I think is, obviously, aside from the tush push, which I, I still, I love that name. But uh, yeah, it's um, aside from that actual um, play, I think his ability to scramble out the pocket, make the play, make those big plays that really matter and are so vital to the Eagles. Um, they're trying to keep him in the pocket a lot more towards the end of the season. At the start of the season, he was extending plays, he was running with the ball. Now, not so much. Uh, but I mean, he did have eight carries, but I, I think there was maybe three that were three or four that were planned. Obviously, they have the tush push as well. But um, yeah, they're trying to keep him in the pocket, which is not sort of... Um, I don't want to say... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I think the, the, the right kind of sentiment would be that... Um, they're not playing him to the best visibility. They're not using his uh, main attributes in the right scenarios. Um, so if if the first or second options aren't there for him, get out of the pocket. Try something different. That's what he's good at. They're not doing that. They're trying to keep him in the pocket. So I think they've changed uh, maybe accidentally. Uh, they, they're not, maybe not necessarily aware of it. Um, but 
yeah, I think that's going to hurt, well, no pun intended, but that's going to hurt the Eagles uh, in in their uh, quest for the Super Bowl. So um, I think they maybe need to get back to that a little bit. They've got DeAndre Swift, who had a fantastic game as well, racking up 92 yards and the touchdown. But, um, yeah, it's. I, I still don't think everything's right in Philadelphia. I, I think. I still think that they did an absolute dirty practicing falling on the ball to um, in front of the cameras as well. That was just a ridiculous thing to do. And um, you know the the kind of uh, experienced guys in that offensive line, especially who uh, were wanting this. Like for example, Jason Kelsey. Uh, was one of the lead voices in wanting these kind of practice sessions. That that's just a ridiculous thing uh, to put your franchise, the face of the franchise, your franchise quarterback, in that situation. Um, what they were able to do on defense is kind of business as usual. There's a couple moments where you thought mm, the Giants could get back into this, surely not. Um, but they managed to see it out in the end. And like we say, it doesn't matter if you win a hundred to nil or in this case thirty five to twenty, thirty three to twenty five. A win's a win, and they needed it. So. Yeah, they, I think um, Jalen Hurts isn't quite right, but I think some coaching decisions need to be altered uh, for them to progress. So we are going to move on and we come to the final game, which is the Baltimore Ravens at San Francisco 49ers at Levi's Stadium in front of 71,812 fans. And this was the battle of the 11 and 3 teams. Um, and the Ravens come away with a victory 33 to 19 in this one. Uh, looking at some of the box scores, Lamar Jackson, 23 of 35, 252 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, rating of 105.9. Uh, he was also the lead rusher on the team 7 for 45 yards uh, receiving wise Zay Flowers 9 catches for 72 yards for the Ravens on the other side Brock Purdy 18 of 32 for 255 yards no touchdowns Four interceptions. He actually yeah. left the game. Sam Darnold came in. Uh, 8 of 14 for 81 yards. One touchdown, one pick. Rushing the ball, no surprises here. Christian McCaffrey, 14 for 103 and a touchdown. Uh, receiving George Kittle at seven catches for 126 yards. And Brandon Ayuk added six for 113. Ronnie Bell was the man with a lone uh, receiving touchdown, though. Uh, one catch, 12 yards and a touchdown. Um, and the Ravens come away with a surprising victory to a lot of people. Uh, but it just goes to show you how good the Ravens have been. Dave, I know you're dying to talk about this one. Mm-hmm. So I'll put it over to you, Ravens 49ers. I I was watching this game and I completely was, I was dreading uh, what was about to happen because one of the most per- uh, unique uh, scenarios happened very early on in the game. Uh, when Lamar Jackson was scrambling as as he does because he was under pressure from one of the best defensive lines in the entire league, um, where he then tried to throw the ball. He, he was going to throw the ball, but he ran into an official who got in the way of Lamar Jackson. And Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson was trying to throw it, um, but instead, because the, re- the, the ref had... I, I mean, he's, he just wasn't quick enough to get out of the way. Not much Lamar Jackson can do, but it was given as intentional grounding. And because it happened in the end zone, it was a safety. I just thought, you know what? The refs want the 49ers to win. This is, this is going to be just an absolute conspiracy. Are you Here we go me again. On? They want Brock, Brock Purdy, the Mr. Irrelevant to MVP story, is going to carry on, blah, 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 blah. But oh no. Oh no. 
That is not what happened because the real Brock Purdy came into this game and the four picks, and they weren't even like, they, they weren't even did kind you, of unlucky. Did you watch the interceptions? Two of them bounced off the hands of his receivers into the, the Ravens. Yeah, well, uh, three of them, Three of them were tipped of the four. Well, I mean, like come, on, refs, this, come on, Dave, come on. Look, this is the only time that me and the refs have something in common that we choose to ignore these things. That's exactly what's <laughs> happening here. But, yeah, I mean, look, um, I, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I think the Ravens have just beaten Brock Purdy out of the MVP race. I, I think that is absolutely what they did here. I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be MVP anymore, especially after this game. Four picks. They made him look an absolute amateur in this game. Um I, I I couldn't believe it, and it could have been five or six. Is is what makes it even worse. And you know the potential MVP candidate. What happened? He was benched, and for all all people, <laughs> it was for Sam Darnold. Um, yeah, just, he, yeah, mean, re- yeah, but he wasn't benched because he was playing badly. He he took a knock. That's that's why yeah, Sam Darnold. Ah, uh, but he was desperate to get back in the game, and they just thought, you know what, it's not even worth it. Well, yeah, point. because it's, he was. In- <laughs> Are you sure you watched this game? I, oh, I watched this game, but I, you know, it, it's it's not every day you see an MVP candidate uh, with four picks and comes out of the game, comes back ready to return, but doesn't return. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was I, I wasn't expecting to watch a comedy uh, when I switched on the NFL on it for for this a beautiful game that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and do you know what is what was really um, unique going into the game. Obviously, both teams came in. They were what eleven and three. Both yeah, of them. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens were getting a seven point head start going into this game. Mm-hmm. So they they slightly covered that uh, with a two with two scores. And do you know what? Lamar Jackson he looked really good, and he had a couple of runs where he was he, he was dancing as well, which we we always love to see. Uh, Lamar doing that um, they couldn't really get the run game going with Gus Edwards or Justice Hill obviously Gus Edwards got in for that for that yeah. touchdown but yeah. um, they couldn't really get that much done um, OBJ was non-existent I think he was just very well covered for the majority of plays uh, Zay Flowers was very very good for probably um, number two in the wide receiver race for rookie of the year well, well done to him uh, there might be another one very much far ahead of him but uh, yeah I look 49ers, they, 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 this game was billed as a potential Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl preview, mm-hmm. which I really hope it is um, for, for numerous reasons. Um, but I also hope it isn't because then that would mean the 49ers get there and the Rams don't. But that's by the by. Look, I I, I still think that the, Ram, uh, the 49ers sorry, have the best linebacking uh, unit in the NFL. I think they're probably got the best defensive line unit in the NFL, but the Ra- the Ravens just showed up and absolutely annihilated them. I and you know they I think they were they they were a bit flattered by the scoreline of the 49ers. Obviously there was a few bits of luck uh, involved that went against the 49ers, but overall their play wasn't that great. Uh, I hate to say it. So I, I don't hate to say it to be honest. You love but, to uh, see yeah, it. You love I, it. I absolutely love to say it. But also, there was one other thing I did note from the game: the 49ers had ten penalties in the game mm. that cost them a hundred and two yards. That's not okay. They, I think the frustrations were boiling over a good lot, and 
I think that's something that they need to address. But, um, you know, just so that uh, Brock Perry didn't feel like he was on his own, Sam Darnold decided to throw a pick as well. So there we go. He's he's not on his own there for Brock Perry. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm noticing there's no loud whistle this week so um yeah, uh, no there won't be there won't be a uh no. there won't be a brock purdy hype train whistle this week because uh they lost and he threw four picks so there won't be one <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, we'll wait and see what it. happens next week uh but so as you said brock purdy mvp candidate what Jenner was most people's favorite for mvp until this game so who's your favorite for mvp oh wow um I, I mean, I know who I think it should be, but he's not favourite. I think Lamar is, pro- is quite possibly the favourite now. Um, he's one of the most likely to get it, and possibly even Tua. Uh, Tua, Tua's a candidate as well. But I think it's still got to go for Christian McCaffrey. It, I, I, you just, I don't know how it's not. If, it, if it's the most, most viable quarterback, I, you, you know, it, it, I mean, because of his performances, I would go for Tua. Um, but uh, Christian McCaffrey's been the best player this year. No doubt about it. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty spectacular all year long. So that wraps up our uh, week sixteen recap. Uh, moving on, uh, Dave. We then come to our uh, week week sixteen. I keep saying week week sixteen. NFL awards. Who is your offensive player of the week? I mean, it's got to be Amari Cooper, doesn't it? He's uh, just a, an, an absolute machine. Uh, for the Browns, so there's no no doubt about it. Amari Cooper for me. Yeah, 11 catchers, 265 yards, two touchdowns, just utterly ridiculous. Uh, we'll then go for your defensive player of the week. Who have you got? I'm so sorry to say this, but I'm giving it to Christian Barmore of the of the Patriots. He, I mean, in, the, in this game, he had eight total tackles, three sacks, and he, he the Broncos just couldn't stop him, I'm afraid to say. So, uh, yeah, Christian Barmore for me. Um, I'm also going to get to Barmore. He also had a first oh, wow. fumble in this game as well. He was he, he literally just single-handedly shut down that entire def- uh, offense. Uh, he was absolutely spectacular in that game. So, I mean, three sacks and a forced fumble. What, what more do you want from a guy? Uh, so I've gone for him. Uh, special teams slash defensive unit of the week. Who have you gone for? This was a, I mean, I really wanted to give it to the Ravens defense uh, for very obvious reasons that we've just covered. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually going to give it to Jason Sanders. Uh, He kicked a career high 57 yarder, um, numerous 50 yard plus field goals. I I just think it's, uh, you know, he he contributed massively and just, I mean, he just got it done against the Cowboys. Without him, they wouldn't have won. So, uh, yeah, um, Dol- Dolphins kicker, Jason Sanders. Yeah, I've got Sanders as well. Clean sweep there. Oh, wow, See, clean uh, yeah, sweep. Yeah, no, absolutely. He was, in, he was almost the entire offense for Miami there. Yeah. And, you know, that, that last second uh, winning kick, just, I mean, what more do you want from a kicker? There's nothing else that you want exactly. from a kicker but that. So I've, I've also gone with Jason Sanders. Okay. So, Dave, we now come to our week 17, because there's only two weeks to go. Week 17 rapid-fire wow. preview. We start the Thursday night game between the New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Browns are going to win this one. They're going to win it 27-20. Oh, we're actually quite close on it, but I've, I've gone 28-17 to the Browns. A fairly simple one, but the Jets to get them a little bit scared at times. Detroit Lions travel to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. The Lions have already sewn up their division, but they are fighting for that first seed. But it is in Jerry World, 
I'm taking the Cowboys to win in overtime 23-20. Yeah, I'll be cheering on the Lions, but I don't think they're going to be able to do it, I'm afraid. Uh, so I, I am going for the Cowboys as well. I've got a fairly high-scoring one, and it's going to be close. I've got 31 points to 27 for the Cowboys. Then with the Tennessee Titans at the Houston Texans. Uh, I need the Titans to win this game for the Broncos, so the Texans will. They're going to win this one by a score of 24-16. to 16. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I'm having trouble picking this one. I, I'm I'm going to go for the upset. I'm going to go for the Titans to win. I think it's going to be a poor game, uh, so I'm going to go for twenty points to seventeen to the Titans. We then have the 49ers taking on the Washington Commanders in Washington. Um, I think the 49ers get back on track, but I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be twenty to fourteen to San Francisco. I thought I was very unique in going for a low-scoring game. I, I'm, I'm very sadly going to pick the 49ers, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say that it's going to be extremely close. I'm going to go for a 17 points to 16 win for the 49ers. Then Don't the ask Ca- me how I got that score. I, though. I won't even ask you how you got that <laughs> score. We then have the Carolina Panthers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I need the Panthers to win, so the Jaguars will win, and they'll win yeah. this one. They got back on track. The score of 33 to 20. I'm going for the upset. Oh my word! I'm I'm going for a Panthers win. Uh, I, it's 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 not a spite for Patrick whatsoever for his uh, Rams comments he made recently. <laughs> um, but I I I think Bryson Young he, he's starting to click. He's just ever so slightly starting to show what he should have been doing for the the previous sixteen weeks. Um, so I'm going to say that he's got they're going the Panthers going to win twenty four points to twenty. We then have the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. No problem for the Eagles. They'll win this one uh, quite handily over the Cardinals. But the Cardinals will score some points. Uh, Eagles are going to win this uh, one 38-21. Oh, that's quite a high-scoring game. Uh, I, I've got the Eagles winning this uh, fairly comfortably as well. I, I actually think that it's going to be a pretty much a rout. They're going to win by 31 points to 10. Then of the New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills, and of course I need the Patriots to win this game, so the Bills will win, and they'll win this one by a score of twenty-seven to seventeen. I am going for a lower score game, and I think it's going to be a one-possession game and only three points in it. But I'm going for the Bills, of course, so it's going to be twenty points to seventeen. We then have your Los Angeles Rams taking on the New York Giants um, at MetLife Stadium, and I've got the Rams winning this one, but in a very close game, twenty-three twenty-one. I am one point out from your score. So I have 24 points to 21. And it, it because I can't take it, neither can my health, I think it's going to be a walk-off field goal for Lucas Haversick. We then have the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is it. This is the one for the NFC mm-hmm. South between the Saints and the Bucks. So Jake, I'm taking your Saints. I've got faith. They're going to win it. 27-25. I I want to say the Saints, but I'm not going to. I'm going for the Bucks. I'm afraid to say. I'm sorry, Jake, but I have to go for the Bucks considering what I've seen. Uh, I I think it's actually going to be a really low scoring game. Uh, so I'm going for 21 points to 15. Five field goals for the for the Saints. Five field goals for the Saints. I love it. Uh, we then have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts, and I think I need this one to be a tie. So uh, we're going to take the um, we're going to take the Colts at home in a low scoring affair, and they're going to win it sixteen to fourteen. I'm t- I'm going for a low scoring game as well, but I'm going for the Raiders. Hmm. I think the Raiders might sneak this one. Uh, so I'm I'm going for 17 points to 13 for the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell to finally get a touchdown and a completed pass. 
We then have the Atlanta Falcons at the Chicago Bears. I'm taking the Bears at home, um, and they're going to win this one by a score of 19-14. to 14. Ooh, you, you've gone the opposite way of me. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I've, I've got it going 28 points to 27 for the Bears. Oh, my word. We then have the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens. This was a mm. tough one for me to pick. It really was. And I'm taking the Dolphins away from home. Ooh. Taking the Dolphins. It's going to be a, go right down to the wire. They're going to win a 30 to 27 over Baltimore. Shake things up in the AFC. That's really going to shake things up. Uh, but I'm not going for the Dolphins. I am going for the Ravens. Uh, and I think it's going. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be a, a lowish scoring game, considering what we've seen from both these teams. Uh, but I'm going to go for 24 points to 20 for the Ravens. We then have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Seattle Seahawks. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm taking the Seahawks to win this one. Oh, they've no. won in the last second, the last the last minute, the last two games. They're going to do it again with a 17 to 16 victory over the Steelers. Last minute field goal. You know, uh, I, <laughs> we don't compare the scores, uh, but I'm going for a Steelers win by 18 points to 17. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. We then have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs get back to winning ways, but it's going to be another close game. It's going to be 24 to 22 to Kansas City. Ooh, this this was a lot harder than I thought. I, I'm... I want to see the Bengals, but I think the Chiefs will sneak it. I really do. Uh, I'm, go- I'm going for 20 points to 18, uh, but with no faith whatsoever in my score. I think it's, 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 it, could go, it could be that. It could blow up either way. It, it, could be thir- it could be 30 points to 7 for the Bengals, 30 points to 7 for the Chiefs. It could be anything. Watch this game. We then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Denver Broncos. And of course, I'm picking my Broncos, although I do think Easton Stick is going to turn into the ghost of Dan Marino uh, against his Broncos defense. <laughs> I've got no faith in them whatsoever, but I'm still taking my Broncos. Uh, they're going to win this one by a score of 20 to 13 you know the over under is at 37 uh, so th- no one's expecting a high scoring game here and I don't really blame them um, I am picking your Broncos as well but with not a whole lot of faith to be quite honest yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going for a 19 points to 13 win for the yeah. Broncos I mean it was Jared Stidham in a quarterback I, have, I don't know what's going to happen yeah. uh, we then have the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings I'm taking the Vikings at home in a very close one 24-23 to Minnesota to round up the week I don't I don't actually know who I want to win this one because both teams are seven and eight. Both teams are fighting for the NFC uh, wild card spot. I think I want a tie. Um, who do I think is going to win? Probably the Packers. I think the Packers will sneak it. Uh, I'm 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 going for a very close game though. It'll be twenty four points to twenty. Nice one. That wraps up our week seventeen rapid fire preview. Me. So, Dave, we come to our final segment, and it is, of course... Random Stats. Random Stats. Random Stats, yes, indeed. Would you like to go first for Random Stats this week? Yeah, I've, I've got one, and it's all about one man. Jalen Hurts. So, we, we know what he, the, the man's capable of. Um, he's actually got 15 rushing touchdowns this season. So, that's a, that's a, that's a very impressive stat for any quarterback. Um... The difference is, though, how these 
touchdowns happened. Now, um, touchdowns by distance. Jalen Hurst has got one from 12 yards. He's got one from 10 yards. He's got two from three yards. And he has 11 from one yard. That is absolutely ridiculous. And he has an average of 2.6 yards per touchdown. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just not going to see that again. Um, that well, maybe we might. Maybe maybe if they get like a two hundred ninety pound quarterback in, that that that'll be an interesting draft to see <laughs> to see see what Rich Eisen thinks of that when he's drafted. Um, but yeah, I mean that tush push. No team has been able to replicate it. And the thing is, what they do with it is they go to the left, they go to the right, they go down the middle, and then they might run. They they've also run a. Uh, a fake as well, a fake tush push where he ran out to the way to the side and he just ran off with the ball. So that was an interesting one. But I do also want to highlight one other bit of quarterback play this week. So um, Aiden O'Connell. Now Aiden O'Connell, in his game, in the first quarter, he passed for sixty-two yards. In the second quarter, he passed for zero yards. In the third quarter, he passed for zero yards. And in the fourth quarter. You guessed it. He passed for zero yards. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you you need to throw the ball. They still won. That I mean, that's probably a random stat in itself. They managed to win, um, and he did not complete a pass in three entire quarters in the game. But he wasn't benched. He was kept in for the entire game, and they won. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs by twenty points to fourteen. And Aidan O'Connell went three quarters without passing, without completing a pass. And those are my little quarterback random stats of the week. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> wonderful, Dave. Now, I've got uh, a random stat here from Jake, and I've got my own Ooh. random stat. So I'll give you Jake's random stat first. Uh, mm. And, you know, it's, it's no surprise that it concerns um, Amari Cooper. Of course. So yeah. Adam Schefter actually tweeted uh, that uh, Amari Cooper had 11 receptions for the single game franchise, as we've already discussed, 265 yards, two touchdowns in mm. the Browns win. Um, he's the fourth player in NFL history with three career games with at least 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Um, those are Don Hudson, who did it four times, uh, Charlie Hannigan, who did it three times, and Tyree Kill, who's done it three times. Cooper is the sixth player in NFL history with four career games at least 200 receiving yards. Uh, joining Lance Allworth, Calvin Johnson, Don Hudson and Jerry Rice and Charlie Hennigan. And he's had 200 plus receiving yard games with three different teams. The Cowboys, the Raiders and the Browns. Only Terrell Owens has done this in the past. And that is Jake's random stat. Yeah, that's a, it's a very impressive feature, and you know what? He was taken out of the game as well uh, it, for the Browns because they they just want to save him. Um, but you know, yeah, he, he had he had a chance to get even more, mm. and I I think that was a bit cruel. But obviously, you know, you, you're Kevin Schwartz is looking at the the playoffs and the next, next few picture. weeks. There's no yeah, yeah exactly. you, you could try to get him to 300, but if you got injured, you you'd have hell to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you know what? That it's um, obviously the Browns have struggled at quarterback this year in particular. But Amari Cooper just made Joe Flacco look like prime Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Manning all in one with, with his ability to play. So well done, Amari Cooper. 
Um, and wrap it off, uh, my random stat concerns all, uh, well, scrimmage yardage. I was going to say all-purpose yardage, but it's all yards from scrimmage. scrimmage. Yards from scrimmage. Okay. Okay, so as we know, Christian McCaffrey leads the league this year. He has 1,932 yards from scrimmage uh, leading the league. Um, now, that's 92nd all-time. As it stands, so if the season ended today, that would be 92nd all-time. As we mm. know, in 2019, McCaffrey went for 2,392, um, which was th- third all-time. The all-time is by nice. uh, Chris Johnson in 2009, who went for 2,509. But the guy I want to talk about is Ladinian Tomlinson, who is the only player to appear twice in the top 10. Wow. Yeah. In 2003, he went for 2,370 yards, fifth best all time. And then three years later in 2006, he went for 2,323 yards, eighth all time. He's the only person to appear in the top 10 twice. Hall of Famer, Ladanian Tomlinson. And that is my random stat. One of, one of the few players I used to fleece my cousin for on Madden was uh, LT. And um, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm more than justified in saying that between him and Dante Hall. It, it was, um, yeah, the two those two guys. I mean, LT was just, you're, you're not, I don't think you're going to see a running back quite like him ever again. He was dominant. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the closest thing we've got to him. But he was dominant. And he was, he, you know, he, he's probably the... I, I think, in my very humble opinion, obviously, that uh, LT is the best Chargers player of all time. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. It's very, I mean, the Chargers have had some great players over the years, but Ladinian Tomlinson was so dominant. You're right. There was that sort of three, four-year stretch in the early 2000s, and he was just, you know, setting records for touchdowns, and he, he did everything. But, uh, yeah, so the only only player to be in top three. Uh, interestingly, I did mention number three, Christian McCaffrey, 2392. Number one, Chris Johnson, 2509. Number two, Marshall Falk, 2,429 hey. yards in 1999. And then what I consider to be a bit of a surprise, number four, because we look at some of the others, the Danian Thompson's fifth, Barry Sanders, sixth, Stephen Jackson's ridiculous season uh, for the, oh, the Rams yeah. in 2006, he's seven. Uh, Ladainian Tomlinson, eight. Marcus Allen in 1985 with the Raiders, he's ninth. And Adrian, Adrian Peterson is tenth. But at number four, I was surprised. Tiki Barber, 2005 Ooh. with the Giants, went for 2,390. And I was a bit shocked. That's the fourth most um, scrimmage yards of all time. So... Shout out to Tiki Barber that I, I, you know, I wasn't aware that he. What year was that? That was two thousand five. Two thousand five was that not the year? Um, that was the kind of emergence of Eli, if I remember uh, right. It may season. well have been. Uh, the other notable thing about that is that he's the only player in that year in two thousand five when Tiki Barber went for two thousand three hundred ninety yards. He was the only player over thirty to appear on the list until you go all the way back to 55th with Walter Payton at 2052 with 30 at age 31. Oh, so, sorry, wow. Tiki Barber did it again. Uh, he, sorry, Tiki Barber's actually done it twice. He did it the following year. He got 2,127, but that only ranked him 41st all time. So Tiki Barber, a very underrated player that a lot of people forget about. Um, great running back and a, and a good receiver out of the backfield. 
So there you go. Absolutely. Fantastic. So yeah, there we... Big shout out to you, Barbara. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there we go, Dave. That wraps up our uh, podcast for week 16. We've got two weeks to go, 17, 18. Um, so thank you very much for coming along. No, it's all a fantastic short podcast this week. It's, uh, I think that's that's our shortest of the year, I reckon. Uh, um, maybe, maybe it is just Jake. Maybe it is just Jake that uh, I don't think so, talks, but, talks okay. too much. <laughs> he just talks too much. Okay. Yeah, we'll see if that's the case. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much, Dave. I appreciate it. I, I will see you in the new year because our next podcast yeah, see you next will. year podcast will be in 2024 um we will of course have a jake mcgee back with us then for that one um thank you to everyone listening don't forget you can catch us at the winfl show on twitter we're still calling it that uh, and we will see you on next week's edition of the winfl show